Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun and Maseches Ksubos. And Mazel Tov 2, Chana Edel and Huda Glazer. Uh, beautiful Chasana, and we're driving tomorrow to Detroit for the Shevra Brachos. Now, the Mishnah on Memtes had discussed whether the father's Chayib Mizonos Bito. It said, very interestingly, he's a Medrash Darish Rabbi Lazar ben Azari Lefnechacham Bekarim Beyavne. I didn't want to miss that opportunity to point out Karen Biyavna because I am an alum of Karen Biyavna, Yeshiva's Karen Biyavna. Why it's called Karen Biyavna? Well, Karen is the configuration in which a Sanhedrin sat, right? Like a vineyard. What was it doing in Yavna? Well, the Sanhedrin had put itself in Gullus 40 years prior to the Churban Bayis Sheni. Uh, things were getting very uh, heavy. Things were getting... Uh, belligerent, in fact, between the Prushim and Stukim, people were getting killed, and, you know, the, the Khurban, and we've already learned, uh, the Gemaras with regards to, um, how the Kohen Gadol, when we were learning in Yuma, how we could have had, we, we, the, there was never for that 40 period of time, never like a Kohen Gadol made it through the year, right? And it was not, it was not an easy time at all, and the Sanhedrin was not, uh, willing at that point to be done Dina Nefashos, people were killing each other and they were going to start, it was getting to the point where the Sanhedrin didn't, uh, the responsibility of Misas Bezdin was not something that they wanted to have to take on and they basically self-exiled. What was the uh, direction from Yerushalayim to Karambi Yavne, right? Tenli Yavne v'chachameha. Yavne was the next uh, place. Then after Yavne was Usha, Right, eventually ended up in Tveria and then out of there. But but Usha was the discussion of the Daf yesterday. The Takanos Usha, that's what we're in the middle of on Daf Nun. So it starts with the issues of our Mishnah, right? That who has to support the children? So who has to support the children? So it said initially in the Mishnah on Mim Aleph that that Abanim Yirshu Vahabanos Yazonu that like, and we'll discuss this today a little bit more, just like the sons, right, inherit their father, the father has to also support his daughters. And that was part of the sugi yesterday. What is the obligation, machlokas, what is the obligation of a father to support his children? Is that a mitzvah, is that a chiyuv, etc. Now, the takanas usha, so the second takanas usha was that a father is a situation where a father gifts to a son, right? And then they support the parents. In other words, the first Takana Susha has to do with supporting your kids. The second Takana Susha is if, like a succession, right? If a son takes over for the father while the father is still alive, right? Not inherited, succession. That son has an obligation to feed his parents, right? You might have thought, said the Gemara, towards the end of Mem Tassamid Bey's, that it's different. The father is still alive, and therefore the almana maybe should be supported from the husband. However, Kamash Malan, no. The Takana Susha was, Goranowitz, that the children still have to support their parents, right, in the situation of succession. Fine. And that's where we start, seven lines up from the bottom of Mem Tassamid Bey's. That in the case where you have an almana, that's the Gemara left off, that there's nobody who's going, Lake on the Torah, there's nobody who's going to support that almana. 
But here, you have a father. Here's a Musr, that you have to take care of your parents too. That even, right, not just children take care of the kids, but you have to take care of your parents. The father has to provide for himself and his wife, and therefore maybe the son doesn't have to support his parents. No, that he gave the property to his, to his children, but that property still supports him. Good. So now what's Allah? Right? The Allah is with, uh, like Rabbi Ila, we'll see. These first three, Takana Savusha, are attributed, right, to Amaraim, and we'll see that there's going to be a mnemonic to remember which Amaraim taught them. Be that as it may, the Gemara then continues, Tashma. What is Allah? The Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Yonasan, Habukaimi, right? They were standing together, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Yonasan, and also, who gavar gachin vinashkila, Rabbi Yonasan, akar e. So Rav Chanina and Rav Yonason are hanging around, so to speak, and a person comes and he kisses Rav Yonason's feet. So Amalei Rav Chanina, so Rav Chanina sees this and he says, my hi, what's this about? So Amalei, so Rav Yonason has to, uh, has to answer, Kaisev Nechasev Levanavu. Well, this is an elder man who actually uh, allowed his younger son, to, his son, to succeed him, right? To, he wrote in, it, it, while he was alive, his Nechasev to his sons, and what did I do? I paskined as we arrived in the Nanamad Aleph, right? I forced said son to feed his father, right? Right. So, so that's a question in its own right. That's what the Gemara is proving. That in fact, what's the halacha? The halacha is that halachically he did not have to feed him. And therefore, why? Is right. Why are they kissing Ravionason's feet? Because after all, right, Ravionason forced him, as Rashi explains the top Rashi in Aleph, right, Mipnesha Tarachti Kaneslo, Lifni Mishurus Hadin Mechavaveni. Why is he kissing my feet? Because Alpi Iker Adin, as well as we say, right, Alpi Halacha, he didn't have to feed his, uh, he did not have to feed his father. And yet I forced him to feed his father. And because of that, that's why he's kissing my feet, because I made him do it. I have a question for you. Why did they force Bar Kamsa, the rabbis, to make him stay? Now you're asking, um, actually, a somewhat relevant question, because Garanowitz wants to know, why would the rabbis force people to do behaviors that are not lahalacha? Like in the case of Kamsa Bar Kamsa, which is right around this same time period, right? Wow. Of the Chorban Bais. So, the fact of the matter is that that's a question in the Rishonim and the Achronim here. To what extent are we, we know that there's an issue of Kofinosa Acha Omer Rotze Ani, right? With certain, right, in Yonim of, of Iser Veheter, will force them to do a Lacha to avoid an Iser or, or, or sometimes to do a Mitzvah. But here, it's just good common practice. So there's a question, um, and it's a good one. It has to do, the answer has a lot to do with we're, the type of coercion that we're talking about. Here, it's probably the coercion more of persuasion, Garanowitz. When the rabbi sits down and tries to explain to you what would be the most ap- appropriate behavior. It's more counseling than it is, right, actual coercion. Okay. But be that as it may, the Gemara says, Yeah, it, that, it only makes sense that, that this old man would kiss Rabbi Yonason's feet if that was not the halacha. That's why, right, when, when Rabbi Yonason forced him to feed his father, it was 
beyond the letter of the law, as it were. If it was in fact Allah, would he have had to do so? And therefore, that's what Rashi explains, right? That that's what you supposed. That would have been what you're supposed to do, um, right? And that language of Rashi of the second Rashi in Aleph, has a little bit to do with Quran's question. It says, In other words, the Gemilos Chasadim here of Yonasan was that he was giving him good counsel despite the letter of the law. Be that as may, because if that had been the letter of the law, then Yishpot Emet, he would have been enforcing it, and then that would not have been Sadin. So you bring up a good point, and that concludes our discussion of the second Takanas Usha. Now the third Takanas Usha. Oh, your homework, um, David, is going to be over the weekend. Do these Takanas Usha, in what way historically do they relate to the fact that they were uh, in this, right now, Gullus past Yerushalayim and past Yavne in Usha? Does that have anything to do with the nature of these Takanas? Be that as it may, next Takana, three lines down. Amar Bilah. Be'usha itkinu, hamevazvez, ayevazvez, yoseh mechomesh. Unbelievable. First of all, this Lushan Hamivazvez usually means like spendthrift, uh, per, a person who, um, or actually, like a, a person who overspends. Mivazvez, waste, wasteful. Mivazvez, but it's not really necessarily what it means, it just means spend, I guess. A person who spends money, in this case it means on tzedakah, because Rashi says that with one word, Hamivazvez le'aniyim. So distributes, I guess. A person who distributes money should not distribute more than a chomesh. More than a fifth to tzedakah. This was the third takanas ula. So apparently, first of all, one of the... Uh, I'll help you out with your assignment, David. I mean, it was a time of great turmoil. The time of the takanas usha. So there were many, many... And, and when there's great turmoil, there's usually great financial turmoil. And therefore, there are probably a preponderance of a neem, or one could say when there's financial turmoil it usually becomes polarizing, right? You get the have and the have-nots. Instead of an even distribution or, or somewhat even distribution economically, you end up getting very rich and very poor people when things are politically unstable. So here, they still, they come up with a that not to give more than 20% to tzedakah. So don't get excited. There are many exceptions to this rule. You have to listen to Ari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, he spends half the shear on just this line, and then the rest of the shear going uh, explaining the rest of the Gemara. Why? Because there's a shita mekubetzes that talks about it for hachzakas taira. There's an example that of Rabbi Akiva, where like he literally not really seized property, but he was given uh, he was put in charge of a certain man's property, and he gave the whole thing over to Talmud Chachamim. Uh, and he said, what, do you, what did you do? He said, oh, there's no better investment than this, right? So uh, there's hachzakas Torah. Uh, the examples that really spoke to me was this Chasmat Adam and the Bira Halacha that Rabbi Leibowitz quotes of the idea of an usher muflag. He told an amazing story. Ready for this, Gorano? It's a Muslim moment. There's something called an usher muflag. If a mevazvez, ay vazvez, yosher mechomesh is clearly the reason would be, as Rashi says, shaloit starach lebrios. In other words, why is the Torah telling you not to give more than 20% to tzedakah? Because it doesn't want you to become destitute. I mean, it doesn't make sense for a person to give so much tzedakah that they now have to become a recipient, right? They would, everybody davens that they should be able to be a giver and not a recipient and should want to be in a situation of giving, okay. 
so that's why not more than the Chomish. But if you're an Azure Muflag, that's not the issue, right? If you're making $50 billion, so then you can afford to part with $30 billion and $20 billion should be enough, right? Etc. right? That's, that's one thing. And the story, the Musser moment is, Ari Leibowitz shared a personal moment that he had with my Rebbe, Rav Herschel Schechter Shlita, that he told him in passing that he gives a lot more than Chomish to Tzedakah because he's an Usher Muflag. The reason that that is noteworthy is because Rav Schechter has been living in the same apartment on Bennett Avenue for as long as I, I, I've ever known him. So it, it could be 50 or it could be even 60 years. Okay. So that is his definition of Asher Muflag. Yesh li kol, right? He has more than he needs, way more than he needs. Some people can be in a much higher financial bracket and not consider themselves to be Asher Muflag. God bless you. And since these things can be relative, that is a Musr in itself, right? So he gives more than Chomish uh, as, as related to Rabari Libuitz. The other thing that's brought up in Avas Chesed, and that's the safer of the Chafetz Chaim on Chesed that, that uh, Rabari Libuitz brought down, was this idea of what are you spending your money on otherwise? Right? If you're buying tchotchkes and narishkeit, then you might as well be spending more than chomish. Right? That would be, that goes against. So, there's plenty of musr here, and therefore, you are, we give you a hat to, to, to spend more than 50% at tzedakah in those scenarios. But not if it's going to put you in a situation where you have to rely on others. You should always, may we always be zochah to be givers and not have to be takers. Bezrat Hashem. Okay. Says the Gemara, to support this halacha, mm-hmm. So there, that which Rashi pointed out, the Bryce says explicitly, so you shouldn't have to uh, rely on others for support. There was a man who wanted to give more than 50% to Tzedakah, and his friend didn't let him. Well, if you just left it at that story, it's not much of a story. So who was the friend? Umanu Rabbi Yeshevav. Okay, some say it was Rabbi Shevav who was the wanted who was the one that wanted to give the tzedakah. And who was the friend that didn't allow him? Umanu, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva didn't let him. Obviously, Rabbi Shevav was uh, in a situation where he would have been mitzarach labrios. And we see the greatest gedolim wanted to give, and you see that you see that, that the gedolim are the most generous. So, Amar of Nachman, Beitamer of Achabar Yaakov. Right, that's that's really the, uh, a tremendous muster too. People get, can get obviously very selfish, and there's a natural um, right impulse for self what they consider self preservation. But what is really preservation, and what is just not uh, being uh, generous enough? So we learn that from the Gedolim. Bidas may what would be the source? My kra for this chomish. It's v'chol asher titenli aser asrenu lach. What the pasuk says: anything you'll give me, aser asrenu. Right. This is in. Bracious, where Yaakov is making sort of a deal with the uh, Kaddish Baruch. So, Yaakov Avinu, so Aser Asrenu, what does that mean? It sounds like a Miser and then a Miser again. Miser is typically 10%. And then you give another 10%, that's 20%. Chomesh. Says the Gemara, We're going to get technical here with the math. If you have 100 bushels of wheat, and you give 10%, so then that's 10 bushels. But then if you give 10% of the remaining 90, that's another 9 bushels. So you've given 19, you haven't given Chomesh. The law should be 19%. Says the Gemara, Ravashi, uh, Srenu. Ravashi could have said, yeah, but you get the point. But he didn't. He took this question seriously. And he said, Asrenu, Levastra Kikama. Asrenu, somehow that language um, implies that the second 
10% has to be like the first 10%, which is to say 10 bushels of wheat followed by another 10 bushels of wheat and leading um, for a total of 20 and therefore five, uh, one-fifth or 20%. Okay. So that is the three. So what's the mnemonic as follows? Amr of Shimi Barashi, the three Takanas Ula, Ushmuas Halalu Mitma'atos Vahochos. What does he mean? He says these three Takanas Ula, each one has one less Amora attributed to it. Besimanech. And this is how you can have the mnemonic. Ktanim Kosvu Uvizvizu. Okay? So Rashi walks you through it. He basically says that the first, right, Takanas Usha was Rav Yilah, who quotes Rish Lakish, who quotes Rav Yehuda Bar Hanina. The second Takanas Ula was Rav Yilah in the name of Rish Lakish only. And the third one was Rav Yilah on his own. And so if you remember the order, so, so you have to remember that, that it starts with the three and then the two and then the one. And yeah, and then to that, you're going to uh, remember that it's first the Katanim, right, having to support their parents, and then Kosvu, which is, right, the second Takanas uh, Ula, which you mentioned. Right, which had to do with the 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 succession. So the first is, is supporting this this the, the uh, supporting your own children rather. And then the second one is the succession one, where when kasvu, when you write the in a tzavar, when you write in, in like in a living kind of um, will, where you bequeath and 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 send over to your inheritance to your children to take over the business while you're still alive, they still have to support you. And the third one is this takanas usha over here. Right, and of the uh, of the vizvizu of the not yoser mechomish. If you remember that order, so then you remember that the first one was three amarayim, the second one was two, and then the third one was one. To which amar of Yitzchak beusha iskinu. So now we are moving on to the fourth takanas usha. What was the fourth? So those are the first three. Now Rav Yitzchak is a different amara, and he's quoting a fourth one. What was the fourth one? She adam reishana. What's You can wrestle around with your kid and horse around with him until he's twelve, which is to say, you could you could teach him Torah, but you start giving him tests when he's twelve years old. Okay, that's what misgalgal means. So you could be more casual and 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 uh, wrestle around with him. Okay, right, um, right. Sh- shout out to Jared Jerome. I was a bar mitzvah teacher, and we used to play a lot of. Uh, a lot of Nerf basketball. And his parents would hear all the banging and say, what's going on in there? But he did a great job. Back in Parshas B'Shalach. Anyway. Those are the Merrick days. So, After that, is a very severe language to say, make his life miserable. Really means, right? You have to, that's, you give tests and you have to really start getting serious. Uh, what? 12 years old. Interesting to Kanas Usha. Right? That's going to be, you're going to have to work that in, David. What does that have to do with the historical context? Anyway, the Gemara asks, Aini, is it really true that at 12 years old you start getting serious with the Chinuch? That when a child is less than six years old, you shouldn't accept him as a student. Once he's six, you can accept him into Cheder, Torah. So keep him with his mom until he's six. Don't bring him into the yeshiva. Once he's six, you can come and stuff him like an ox. I remember this, uh, there was once, um, this was, I don't know if they have this the same way they have it in Eretz Yisrael, but I, there was a person who, they used, they used to put on, um, in Ramat Beit Shemesh, there was one particular teacher, Mishnayis exhibitions. He used to stuff these Zilberman kids, like oxes, oxen, 
with uh, Mishnayis. They would know everything by heart. And they would have an exhibition. They would take these like pre-bar mitzvah boys and you would say, Yevamus, Perak Dalad, Mishnah Gimel, go. And they would just say it. Just like that. Like a karate exhibition, just Mishnayis. Anyway, and I remember he spoke at this uh, exhibition and he said, stuff them like an ox. You don't underestimate how much these kids could do. They don't know any better. They know all, every Mishnah by heart and exactly which one it is because they don't know that, they're not, that that's hard to do. They just enjoy it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so the Gemara says, in. So wait a minute. If you could do that at six, why are you waiting till 12? So the Gemara says, in. Yeah, you can, when they think it's fun, you can shove it all in there when they're like ashore, when they're six. Right? But you don't start telling them all these challenging things until there's 12. Don't start challenging them until, until the 12. In other words, it's not a stira. This is not a contradiction. They can learn and be stuffed with Torah like an ox when they're young, and they don't even know that it's a bad thing. They enjoy it. Okay. Alternatively, maybe what they're saying is like this, that when it's talking about six, it means uh, six years old for, right, the Torah Bichtav and the Mishnayis is until 12. Okay. Because Baye said in the name of his mother, now we already know already from Masechah's Brachos, we've been introduced to Baye's mother, that it's his adoptive mother, that Baye never knew his natural biological mother. And we also might recall that Baye's mother, her his adoptive mother, was this very special lady. She, first of all, took in Baye, so she's taking in. Uh, orphans, that's a major, that's a major deal. And she had every homeopathic remedy under the sun. She was that day's version of the CEO of Whole Foods. I don't, we rarely mention Abaya's mother, uh, without mentioning some of her homeopathic, amazing, uh, uh, life, uh, um, life coaching ideas and homeopathic remedy ideas. And, what was her name? and this is no exception. I wonder what her name is. I do know that Abaye, uh, paid her a lot of um, a lot of kavod because he quotes her all the time. How many how many times have you seen the Gemara where an Amora is going to quote their mother? It's not so common. He does it all the time. Is he doing it out of Kibudava Aim Barry or is he doing it out of is he doing it out of Kibudava Aim or is he doing it because he really believes some of these homeopathic things or maybe in those days they they actually um, were helpful. So, anyways. He, he clearly had a lot of respect, as he should, right? She, he had a lot of hakaros hatov. So I'm really aim. What does his mother tell him? With respect, she had, she had an opinion on almost everything. So she had an opinion about this. Bar shis lamikra, bar eser lamishna, bar tlesa latanisa meis laes, uchitinokas bas tresar. His mother said that when he's six, you learn Torah shebichtav. When you're 10, you learn Mishnah. When you're 13, which Rashi explains can't be 13 because 13 for a boy is already bar mitzvah. Of course you have to fast. He means the 13th year, says Rashi. So it means when you turn 12, the tanisa me'es la'es, you start training for fasting, me'es la'es, right? You're not going to necessarily do it for a 24-hour period, but you basically you're going to do a 24-hour period to the best that you can, right? Um, and then, right, and, and I guess this is the explanation, at least according to Tosfos, as to what, uh, the Takanas Usha was. It's hard, to, it's hard to understand. Is he quoting her I- ideal or her recollection or her version of what the Takanas Usha was? Most likely, says Tos was the latter, right? That she's explaining the Takanas Usha. 
And then the distinction between a boy and a girl, that for the boy it's going to be when he's 12, and for a girl, you start uh, teaching this idea of the fasting, you start introducing that in her 12th year, which is to say when she turns 11, as we call it. Okay. Yeah, oh, so Rashi, yeah. Well, I purposely didn't read Rashi, but Barry wants to point out that the Rashi, uh, when he talks about how harsh you can be with your son when he's learning, I said that you give him a test and there's accountability. Barry thinks it's important for me to point out Rashi because after all, Rashi wrote it for a reason. Obviously, everything in cultural context, uh, to hit him with a whip and to uh, refuse him food. Bring out the belt and take away the lachmania. Yeah, that's rough. It's hard to understand right, it's hard to relate. This is not what they recommend in today's culture where you're trying to... Um, <laughs> can you imagine uh, what the what uh, parent-teacher conference would look like uh, for the Rebbe? There would be no parent-teacher conference. The Rebbe would be fired that day before the next period. It says Okay, now you know what? Vishinantam bum does mean to teach, and it should be, and it should be, right, very, um, it's definitely a directive that's very serious, but, but that does not by any means mean, it, it, put it this way, it means in the most effective way, in the best case scenario, right? And so today that's not considered the most effective way at all. Because it's traumatic, Karanowitz. Because when he grows up, what do you think? He's going to want to, he's going to, and he becomes independent. Do you think this individual is going to want to, right, uh, continue? He's going to have a joy for learning? Um, or do you think he's going to have some residual scarring physically and emotionally from his experiences in, in his childhood? We do the same thing in dentistry. We are nice to the children in the pediatric office at Columbia Pediatric Dentistry. There's a shout out. Um, because we want them to go to the dentist when they're older, right? Because some people have fear of the dentist because they, when they were children, they were treated harshly. So we live in a culture where we have figured out in many cases how to, how to uh, get the point across without the whip, Baruch Hashem. Although there is a real balance, right? How long do you take that? Six years old, 12 years old, 23 years old? At what point does there have to be accountability, Barry? That, 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 that pendulum is swinging, and we got we to gotta keep it a little bit of a balance. That actually comes up here. Watch this. When I took my 10th tenth, tenth year reading yeah. in trigonometry, I couldn't get over the problems you have. Yeah. Of, if the train goes this way, that way, how, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. How, how many, so I went over and over for she non and I got 96 on my regions because I jumped on it. Yeah, you, you got on it. All right. Well, you know what? I wear scrubs. Tomorrow, maybe I'll wear a belt. You're going to have to be careful, Garanis. Amar Bai, Amarli Aim. So once he quotes his mother, he's quoting his mother then. Amarli Aim. Hi, Bar Shis, the Tarkale Akrava. Again, homeopathic stuff here. Um, when a six year this this stuff, don't, don't listen to this stuff because we don't know what it means relative to our time. A six-year-old who's, I mean, if, unless you understand it, if you, can, if you can explain it, then by all means. But this, six, I don't know that when Abaye was quoting this to his Talmud Chacham and Beis Medrash, that they knew what he was talking about. Six-year-old who's bitten by a scorpion, Biyoma de Mishlam Shes, on the day that he becomes six years old, Lo Chaye, he's not going to live unless he has 
the proven whole foods remedy. My say, what's the remedy? Yeah, take the bile of white vulture with beer, rub some in it on the child, give him a drink. Okay, another one. Hi bar shasa, this is hi bar shasa the tarik lazy bura, the one year old bitten by a bee. Biyoma de mishlam shasa again on his first birthday, I guess. Lo chaye, he's not going to live unless you give him this following. She and you, you can almost imagine by his adoptive mother with this vial of stuff. Maya, so say what's the remedy? What I have here is date palm bast with water and nashvevenashke. Rub it on the infant. Have him drink of it. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, 11 lines up from the wide. Amar Rav Katina. This goes to the balance that we were talking about with chinuch. Back to the chinuch idea. You bring your son to study Torah when he's too young, less than six years old. Means afterwards, if you could run after him, you could try to give him as much exercise, be his personal trainer for as much as you, as you want, you're not going to reach him, which Rashi explains... Right, no man of personal training is, is going to undo. He's going to end up being the kid that, while everyone in, in camp, while everyone's playing sports, he'll be the pale, skinny kid that's in charge of the equipment shack, learning Mishnayis. There's always that one kid. So yeah, you started teaching him a little early, and now he's the pale yeshivish, like skinny kid at the equipment shack that's not playing sports. However, that's one way of looking at it. it sounds like a little bit derogatory, but there is another way of saying it. Ikeda Amri Chaver Vratzin Achar Avein Magin Oso. For the rest of his life, his friends will never be able to catch up to him in learning. Right? So there's always the balance. But both versions are valid, right? Both could be right, because that's a balance. Chalash Vigamir, that the Torah, yeah. In other words, he'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll be frail and pale. However, he'll be very well versed. Chalash Vigamir, right? He's going to be very, very. Uh, a big tamachacham. Ibai seima. That's one way of looking at it. Or you could say ha dechach ha dechish ha devari. Then maybe it has to do with like a chanoch lenar al pidarko. If you see he's hardy and ready for it, you could start him younger. But if not, then wait because otherwise he'll be frail. Those are two ways of looking at it. So that's the fourth takanas usha, right? The chinoch takana. Fifth takanas usha. I'm Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina. But usha hitkinu haisha shemacher benichsim belog bechayi bala. That, remember, when a woman enters a marriage, there's nichsei melug and nichsei tzon barzel. And nichsei tzon barzel, she gets back exactly the way she brought it in. Ironically, we've already discussed, that means that those are his. Those are the husbands. What do I mean? Well, if I give Dave $100 and I say, I don't care what you do with it, just give me back $100, what I'm saying is that's yours in the meantime. You can invest it, do what you want. Give me back the exact thing. The nichsei melug are not that. Those, and we've already had Mishnayis. Uh, explaining nafkaminas as to whether they're the the wives or the husbands, right? Um, in the case of truma, can you feed from it, etc. To avadim, be that as it may, be that as it may, she's giving the nix, the milug. What was this takanas usha? That the woman, so again, she owns the nixay milug as we've discussed, uh, unlike the nixay son barzel. So he gets the dividends, the husband does, but she can she sell the principal? While he's still alive, she So that's a complicated issue. So, you know, the Rashi and the Mefarshim are going to explain that, yes, she's, she's not allowed to really, I mean, the husband still gets the dividend. But what she's basically is trying to say is that as soon as, right, she dies, let's say, and she's no longer in the picture, so then typically she, the husband would 
get those nixay malug, but maybe she wants to sell it and designate it to someone else. Okay? So then, what was the takana? Umesa. If she doesn't, he die. Habal So that was the takana. The takana was that the, fa- the husband has the right of first refusal. Like he's considered the first um, up to get to purchase and uh, to become, right, the custodian of the principal on the Nechzei Malug. That was the fifth Takanas Usha. So, right, these are famous, by the way, these Takanas Usha, and each one of them um, deserves, right, a full day of, of, uh, of discussion. But be that as it may, he was standing amongst people in Usha, and and he said, "Who's the person who made these takanas Usha?" So I'm like, um, who taught this particular one, right? The, the right the He said, "I'm like Rabbi Yosef Bachanina." It was Rabbi Zimnin. So Yosef, we said before, right? The attribution of the first three takanas Usha, we went to great pains to try to remember who said what. B'shem Omro. So here, Rabbi Yosef, Yosef Chazard forty times that it was Rabbi Yosef Barchanina who taught this to Kanas Usha. And then it was like he had it in his back pocket, right? In the sense that he knew it well at that point. After forty times, Chazar may be zochet to Chazar all of Shas forty times and beyond. Okay. Now, supporting your children. Back to this. Psukim to Hillim. The pasuk says, "Ashrei Shomrei Mishpat Oseit Stokav Chaleis." Right. We praiseworthy is a person who's Shomer the Mishpat, the Halacha. And does tzedakah all the time. Every single second you're doing tzedakah. So Darshi, Rabbi saying you should be Yavne. So in Yavne they taught. And on that, Rabbi Lezer expounded. Right? Because if you are supporting your children, so that at every moment you're doing that tzedakah. Great tzedakah indeed, right? If you are Megadel, somebody who's orphaned, and you raise them in your house, so that you bury them off, that is at every moment that you're doing that, that's a tzedakah v'chesed. Okay, another pasuk about tzedakah in Tehillim. Right, when you have wealth and riches that are in your house, and charity that's forever enduring. One says that's learning and teaching Torah. Another one says if you're a mechaber, if you're a mechaber of Torah, and then you lend them or you give them to others, so then that's a gift that keeps on giving, right? Because when you learn and teach and write Torah, that is always around and accessible to others, right, to benefit from. One last pasuk, great song, right? So, Shalom Zachar song. What does it mean that when you have children of children, sons of sons, that it brings Shalom Yisrael? So, Rabbi Shubin Levi says, yeah, the law is the chalitza v'yibum. Okay, we just learned Yavamus. It's a mitzvah to do chalitza and yibum. What is it talking about? Yeah, but despite that, it's awkward any way you slice it, right? Whether you refuse the yibum or even if you do the yibum, it's not the best. And therefore, it's not really something that's under your control. But if a person's zoche is fortunate enough to have children, so then that brings shalom, less awkwardness. If Shumol bar Interpreted differently. You all mark cave on the Shabbatim Levanecha. Since your children have children, Shalom al Dayane Yisrael. It'll be easier for the judges. Why? Right? Because they don't have to argue about what? Yerusha. Yerusha can always be contentious. Right? So if your children have children, you don't have to worry about who gets what because 
it's clearer. The uh, the inheritance are clearer. Okay. Last bottom line on Nunamad Aleph. So what did the Mishnah say? Right. So that was the whole thing that this, that 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 we talked about in Karbiyavne. The idea of the Bonim Yishuv Abonis Yazonu. Right. The idea of of um, how do how does that work? That the that the daughters have to um, be fed in the same way that the sons inherit. So in the five minutes we have left, we could do Nunam and Bez as we turn. So they tried to make the following analogy, that just like sons only inherit uh, Karka, so too, when you're talking about right, um, supporting daughters, they also only have to support the Karka. The problem is that sons aren't only Yorish Karka. Everyone is screaming in the base message. Are you saying that the lo shavik ar lo That if you that you only yorish karka to your sons, if all you have, if you don't have karka and you only have metaltum and you're not yorish your sons, we know that's not the halacha. Says the Gemara. No, he meant the ksuvah bnin dichren. That famous idea that when there's multiple marriages and like mixed families, that in order to bring in the woman and you do the ksuvah, you say no, you're they're gonna you're Right, male sons, benin dichrin, right? It's a stipulation that they're going to be the ones out of Nunajinya, they're going to inherit it back. It's not going to go to the other woman's children in the event that you pass away. Okay? And that is only Bikarka. So Amalei, from Nuna, when he heard Rabbi Yosef's interpretation, says, Yeah, Mar Gavarabu, who Yodamai Kamina. See, that's a good dude. He knows what I mean. In other words, obviously that's what I meant. Because everybody knows that. Real that regular situation, not Nindichrin, is Karka and Metaltin. Okay. So Rav Yosef, Rav Zan Yosef said, Rav supported what? The girls from the Chitin of the Aliyah. What's the Chitin Aliyah? So Parnasave. What was that? Was it their dowries? From what did he give it? Umay Aliyah. What does it mean, Aliyah? What's that word? So miluid avakushmuel. It must mean according to what's considered the upper limit of the father's generosity, and that's like Shmuel. Damar Shmuel lefarnasa shamim ba'av. That when you cause, when you talk about dowry, it has to do with what shamim ba'av. What was his kavana? What was the father's kavana? O dilma mizoni mamishava. Or maybe he literally gave him wheat. Umay aliyah. What does aliyah mean? Midvarim tovim shenemer ba'aliyah. From the good. Halachas that they said in the Aliyah, right in the attic. The Amar, Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, Aliyah Itkinu. It was in that attic, in that upper chamber where they made the kanish. This idea that you give to Banos from Metaltalin, not just from Karka. So Tashma, the Gemara says, Right in the hands of Banai, the brother of Chiyabar Abba, Metaltalin Yasmi. They would give Metaltalin to orphans. Also, the Kamei Shmuel and Amalei Zilzun. He said, good, go support them with metaltalin. My love them, Zune. What does it mean, support? For their Mazonas? Right? That no, it was for their Parnasa, for their dowries. That's what they mean by Parnasa. Shmuel said that for a dowry, that's what we assess, right? According to the Av. So now, two related halachas. They were judges in Arda, and they said, orphan girls have to be supported from Metaltalin. And also in Pumbedisa, they collected Metaltalin for girls. So I'm going to Nachman, Zilu Ahadru. Go back and reverse that. I'm going to collect your own mansions from you, meaning I'm going to take, right, and repay the Yorshim. What's the issue here? As follows. 
Are you giving these metaltalin to the sons, which is rightfully theirs? Or are you going to make a takana that metaltalin also goes to the daughters? Right? You have to keep a balance. Because by doing, by taking, it's a zero-sum game, right? By taking it from one, or giving to one, you're taking it from the other. So, Rav Nachman said, you don't give it to the daughters. Ravami, Ravasi, Sofer, Lameza, Mentaltali, Omelah, Yaakov, Baridi, Milsa, Dereb, Yochanan, Vereshlakish, Loa, Avdu, Ba'uvda, Atun, Avdin, Ba'uvda. In other words, we don't have Yochanan, Vereshlakish, these great Amarayim, the great Gedolim, uh, ruling on this matter to give Mentaltan to the girls. So, what gives you the right to do it? Sounds like they didn't think you do that. Or another incident, Rabbi Lazar, Sofer, Lameza, Mentaltalin, Omelah, Fonor, Shimon, Baal, Yakim, Rebbe, Yodiani, Bach, my teacher, I know you, Shein, Midasadina, Taose, Elamidas, Rachmanus. I know that your heart's in the right place, that you give metaltalin to the girls, right? And you're doing it because of, a, from, out of right mercy. But there's a balance, there's a flip side, which is people are going to think that that is not just something that you, you do. In other words, he knows he's a good rabbi and he's persuading the sons to do the right thing. But if they see that, they're going to think that that's meek or a din. And in case where it's not appropriate, they may actually do that. And that's not what you're supposed to do. And therefore, you have to know you're a, uh, you have to know the balance. That's what we have, rabbis. We'll proceed tomorrow, Bezat Shem, five lines up from the bottom of Nun Ahmed Bez.